Welcome back to Martins and More. My name is Maury Rich. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And today's episode is brought to you by the Martin O1228 Modern Deluxe. The O1228 Modern Deluxe brings back the classic concert size O Martin in a modern and deluxe form. It features East Indian rosewood back and sides, trimmed in lovely European flame maple binding, a VTS spruce top that has quarter inch VTS Adirondack spruce bracing, golden era scalloping, a short scale neck, composite carbon fiber bridge plate, and so much more. If you'd like more information on the Martin O1228 Modern Deluxe, please visit mauriesmusic.com or contact us today. Spoon, I sincerely apologize for all the commercials. You changed, man. It used to be about the music. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. I actually happened to catch uh, your video of you playing that on, online on YouTube and was very impressed because I have not seen one of those in person yet. The O, uh, the O12 in the Modern Deluxe series, the O1228, and for people who aren't familiar with the new modern uh, Martin nom nomenclature, the 12 refers to the, it being a 12 fret guitar, not being a 12 string. Oh, thanks very much. That video was fun to make, and I'm I'm a little bit sad that you didn't get to see that guitar last time you were here to do videos. That guitar was not in stock, along with a lot of other months. That guitar has been so late you know getting to the shelves here at Maury's Music. I'm not sure how long it's going to be here but I secretly hope it is still here or one of them is next time you're here doing some videos because I, I think if I'm remembering correctly you left the day we were supposed to get another one for a customer that came in and went out and long story short I do hope you get an opportunity to play one of them frankly no matter where you can but we certainly uh, our YouTube channel certainly needs your video of the O1228 MD and uh it's, it's really an interesting instrument, and if anybody out there listening hasn't played one yet, if you have the opportunity, please, please jump at it. But we have a pretty cool program today. This show has always been very conversational, and I'll admit it, I was almost going to talk to you about a very focused, predetermined episode subject, and during that, I was going to ask you to talk about something else off the air, and I thought to myself, why would I do that? This program's all about what Spoon and Maury talk about just period. So why would there be a conversation that's for broadcast and a separate conversation that's just between us? The one that's just between us should be just between everybody. I wanted to tell you, Spoon, back on episode 162 of Virtual Tour, we took four guitars in the front of the program. Two of them had mahogany back and sides. Two of them had rosewood back and sides. And the theme for that show was, what do you prefer for strumming? And I literally just strummed all four guitars. And the, the subject of that episode was, when you're strumming the acoustic guitar, do you prefer rosewood or mahogany? And it got a lot of hits, and it was a, I thought it was a good idea. So I posed that exact question after the program was over on the Acoustic Guitar Forum, which is AcousticGuitarForum.com. And our friends over there took that and ran with it. And more than I even expected, I think as we're taping this program, it's up to five pages deep. And I thought... Let's talk about that today, and I'd love to get your opinion. When you look at the acoustic guitar, independent of any size we're talking about, when you're strumming the guitar, do you prefer the sound of rosewood or the sound of mahogany? So I want to kind of ask your opinion of the topic, as well as your opinion of some really great responses we got on the forum, because a lot of people answered in a certain way that made me look at it completely differently. And I'll take a deep breath and let you do some talking, but what do you think about something like that today? Well, I think that's fascinating. I, uh, I'm i sorry I didn't know about it all. We'll have to go check out that thread and see what everybody had to say. Um, 
my own personal opinion, and so much of this, of course, is personal, and we all hear things differently and like things for different reasons, I would have to say uh, Rosewood for strumming. Though I was a long-time mahoganite, and for a long time only had mahogany guitars, um, I do... Uh, I do also think that there's something about the more complex rosewood uh, harmonic overtone array that uh, and you know that and the warmer lusher sound that I like but I can certainly understand how people would would uh, choose the other I mean there was a time when I first was able to have multiple guitars and and had graduated up into Martin guitars, where I felt, and I remember very early on on the Martin Guitar Forum, and maybe it was even pre-Martin Guitar Forum, and maybe on Acoustic Guitar Magazine's forum, when somebody said, how many guitars do you need? And I said, four. You need a, a Rosewood Dreadnought, a Mahogany Dreadnought, a Rosewood OM, and a Mahogany OM. And more than one person has told me over the years that they took that to heart and they actually went out and did that. <laughs> that's when I learned to be a little more careful with my opinions because you, you know, people, people will, you know, take it, take that kind of advice uh, quite literally. <laughs> but that's what I had at the time. Uh, I certainly did a lot of strumming with my own 18V, very robust uh, mahogany guitar. But you know, I did preferred my D28 at that time for that, and I still, the only mahogany guitar that I have currently is the old Triple OC16 from the 1990s that is essentially an OM18. It's a long-scale guitar with uh, quarter-inch scallop bracing, uh, just as a narrower neck, so they chose to call it a Triple O. Uh, and it's got the full-size dovetail neck joint and all that, like that the 16s did back then. So um, I can certainly use it to strum everything that I, I strum, but I much prefer my big Rosewood Dreadnought. And in terms of versatility, uh, if I can only bring one guitar, I'm bringing my TSP model that uh, Maury's Music had for sale at one time, which is uh, Guatemalan Rosewood and Adirondack Spruce. And um, so... Yeah, I would have to say my personal opinion is I prefer Rosewood for strumming. Well, I'm going to go ahead and, and echo that, and I'll get this out of the way before everybody assumes it anyway. My favorite's Rosewood as well. I've got an OM28V from 1998. I've got a 0028 12-fret. It's the Mari's Music Edition that we did back in 2004. It's a lot like the 0028VS that Martin came out with uh, maybe seven or eight years ago, not long after we did ours. And they, uh, it's a vintage series instrument. It's not the modern deluxe per se, but that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate mahogany as well. And I'm in a unique spot where when I'm playing my own guitars and when I'm buying my own guitars, I've gone to Rosewood and I've spoken with my wallet, but I've had so many opportunities to play Rosewood and mahogany here at the store, whether it's on YouTube or just for my own enjoyment or for whether I'm, inspecting a new guitar that comes in and making sure it's working all right. I certainly do appreciate a lot of what Mahogany has to offer, but it's interesting, and, and you're kind of going to be behind the eight ball here, Spoon, because I read a lot of these forum replies, which gave me the idea to bring this to the microphone, and you're going to hear what, I'm, what I've read without having a lot of time to digest it. But I thought I had an idea what, quote-unquote, strumming is, what I like to do with strumming, 
what I consider it to be. There are so many replies that sort of didn't turn the whole thing on its head, but it made me think a lot further than I, I did when I first posed a question to everyone else. So a really good thing to start with, Jay Patrick on the Acoustic Guitar Forum writes, it depends on what I'm playing. If I'm really laying into a song like a hard-driving bluegrass tune, I prefer Rosewood. It tends to compress and smooth out a bit, where mahogany can be brass sounding when you dig in. If I'm strumming a tune with a lighter touch, folksy ballads, the open woody sound of mahogany appeals to me. They're generalizations for sure, but that's how I've developed the preference for one over the other. So right out of the gate, it's not even 10 minutes into the show, there's more than one kind of strumming. And before we dive too deep into the weeds, would you not agree with that, Spoon? I would agree with that. And my strumming is my strumming. Um, and I would agree with that when I'm doing real robust strumming, that's when the big, the big beefy roast with dreadnought um, makes a big difference in terms of live performance in the room performance. And when it comes to the lighter strumming, I don't do a lot of lighter strumming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do, I do to some extent, but I still like the rosewood overtone uh, compliment that you get from from those kind of guitars, and that uh, particularly when you're playing solo, I think it just it just adds harmony to your guitar playing. Um, our friend Bill Peebles in Loveland, Ohio, when he uh, switched from a mahogany, which was basically a mahogany triple O to a real Martin Triple O 28, he was not prepared, having spent his really his entire life, he was like a one guitar man who loved having that one old guitar that got old with him. And he, uh, he was really, really surprised at the, the almost you know, supernatural overtone quality and hearing those extra harmonics uh, that you know, are harmonizing with a strummed chord and and even you know even his wife commented on it to him so so um so what about uh can i ask you i don't know you know if you're what you're prepared to say about all the different people that responded were there people that said they preferred mahogany there were but we're going to dismiss them immediately <laughs> <laughs> i almost said when you said when you said you appreciate a mahogany as well i wanted to interrupt you and say well, you don't appreciate mahogany as well as I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go further, if you're not really one of those people that have listened to a lot of episodes, I have, it's a running joke. I'm such a Rosewood fan. I've almost adopted the persona that I don't like mahogany. And then some people know that, so they poke me on YouTube or on the forums and Facebook. And it's this thing that just has a big, a lot of momentum. And I really don't mean that from the heart. But there are some people on this list I'm going to wheel back and forth as we're talking. I'm reading them in real time. Some people just said mahogany all the way. Get out of here. I'm not going to give you screen time. But of course <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm totally kidding. But there, there certainly were, from my memory, there were equal parts mahogany and rosewood. And if I'm really telling you the truth, I think more often than not, uh, these readers and viewers are, are speaking their mind about their qualities about both. Uh, it was rare for me to see somebody just say mahogany or just say this or it's black and white. Many of these great comments were very, very open-minded and I could, I could sort of tell 
or at least I think I could tell, some people were coming from the place of liking one tone but admitting the other has got a characteristic they appreciate in certain ways. And that's honestly what made me think this is a, a good enough idea for the program today because it wasn't just people voting A or B or none of your business. They were saying why and, and what they were saying in between the lines really, really opened my eyes. Like Brent Cat from New Jersey said, it's guitar dependent for me. I overwhelmingly prefer Rosewood for all things but also own two mahogany slopes, a Callings and a Walker Wise River. Both of these are loud instruments with a rich tonal spectrum, which is why I have them. On the other hand, I recently sold my Martin D18A 1937 precisely because it lacked the rich complexity of my other guitars. This was the third D18 I've owned through the years and will be my last. Now, I never thought I'd pose a question asking such a general question have somebody admit to me I am never buying a D18 again but that came up like that's the kind of thing that when you ask this question and it, it's entirely dependent obviously on how Brencat strums and what he considers the sound he wants when he plays like you joked a minute ago your strumming is your strumming you don't have light strumming you just have strumming I can't speak for how Brencat plays but the way he does strum makes him want to tell people in, in a definitive sentence whether he holds on to it or not, he's done buying D18s, and it sounds like it's lacking the rich complexity of the other guitars. So he's not done with Mahogany, but it sounds like he's done with that Martin model, because uh, have you played a Calling CJ35 and or a Walker Wise River? It sounds like he's speaking from experience where those Mahogany guitars have more complexity that he wants, and the D18s, even Authentics, uh, they don't. So my first question would be, are those two other guitars he's talking about uh, built with Adirondack tops, like the Authentic? I think, uh, I think Adirondack and Mahogany is a very, I don't know if simple is the right word, but it's a very pure sounding combination. And you don't get uh, the, the kind of uh, warmth that you get from a Sitka top or a European spruce top. So I'd be curious to know what the top woods on those two are. And also he said it was an SJ, so it wasn't even a Collings Dreadnought. So that's interesting. Uh, and I mean, uh, complexity is one of those words, complex. He's looking for certain tonal properties that he refers to as complexity. I wonder if they would be the same thing that I would call complexity if I would. So those are, you know, all those kind of words, bright, warm, all those things mean different things to, to you know, different brains. So that's an interesting question. Um, I can definitely see somebody finding a Martin Mahogany uh, guitar with an Adirondack top to be too fundamental. And they, all, they do have overtones, but, but they're simpler. And that's why I've always liked Sitka with uh, Mahogany, uh, because it gives it a, a, I don't know, there's sort of a roundness to the notes. And uh, I know some people have even referred to it as they sound fuzzy to them because they're used to playing Adirondack. And I just think it adds a full, a fuller quality to it, less, less uh, clarity, less um, that high definition, uh, you know, sound that you get from uh, Adirondack spruce. But I think it's, uh, I, I think it's worth it. And I find um, mahogany martins with Sitka strum to my ear. I prefer them uh, strummed than the Adirondack Martins, so I think that's a you know that's a, we're now getting into sub subsections of this stuff. So that's fascinating. Um, 
that, you know, that's where that led that guy, like you said. So you're telling me that you have five pages of people talking about this and most of them uh, speak about the qualities of both and, and very few people are as, uh, as uh, bigoted as you are when it comes to <laughs> I was going to say, go ahead and say it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad because last week we forgot to do a trivia question. I still don't have one, but this next comment from Charlie Bernstein contains some trivia. So I'm going to ask you to appreciate what he says and tell me if he's telling the truth. Yes, the short answer is yes. I prefer mahogany or rosewood for strumming and for flap picking <laughs> and finger picking. But check this out. He goes on to say the long answer, this is a superstition that won't die. Some people trace it back to a photo of Clarence White playing a D18. Pickers saw this picture and decided that mahogany must be the right wood for flat picking. And by default, that meant rosewood was for strumming. But the only reason he was sporting a D18 that day was the D28 was at the repair shop. It's true that mahogany, rosewood, and maple, which I don't like for strumming, flat picking, or finger picking, says Charlie, have different sounds. But if you prefer one for one purpose, you'll probably like it for everything. On the other hand, if you just need a rationale for getting another guitar, any superstition <laughs> will do. Joking aside, I think this is a fantastic thread of, of great information. I think these forum members are just putting some really great stuff out there. So, Charlie, thank you for your comment. And I don't know, have you ever heard that spoon where we think Clarence White's doing the D18 thing, but the D28 would have been in the spotlight if it wasn't broken? Well, I think when he says superstition, he really is talking about a myth or a legend. But I don't think it is a myth or a legend. I think he is quoted as saying, Clarence White is quoted as saying that when it came to recording the, uh, with the Kentucky Colonels, that he recorded uh, his solos on his D18, and he did his rhythm work on his D28. I think that's it. I, maybe it's not a fact. Maybe it is an urban legend, as they call it. But I am pretty sure that it is quoted by re reputable sources that on the Kentucky Colonel's albums, um, and maybe uh, when he was even younger and when playing with uh, other people, that he recorded his solos on a D18. Um, but but it'd be interesting to, for somebody to actually deep dive that historically to see if there is any genuine historical evidence of that. But that's what I've always heard. And, uh, and it's been you know, quoted by enough people. So but that's fascinating. But yes, I had heard that. Um, but I've heard both stories, but I've t tended to believe the sources that said that he, rec at least when it came to recording, he used a D18 to, pick for, to do solos and mm. a D28 to do rhythm. All right, so I'm going to go into the weeds a little deeper. For a member named Baseball says, pretty sure this is one of those, there is no consensus. But he says, I went back to Mahogany recently and then picked up a rosewood and thought, they are both awesome. And so is Maple. And Sapele. And then question mark, question mark. <laughs> but he goes on to say, if I'm singing rosewood because my voice sits in the EQ dip, if it's an all-American who can throw down jam, it's Mahogany. So this is something I've often read and I've never entirely bought into it, but I'm starting to see, I'm starting to start to see the word they're coming from with this. When he says if he's singing, Rosewood sounds better because his voice sits in the EQ dip. Can you speak to that point before we begin to agree or disagree on, on, on his choice? I think it's an interesting point of view. Uh, I said already that I like uh, the Rosewood often when I'm solo because of the extra harmonic stuff. And it, I think it, you know, makes, it makes the performance sound a little more interesting and complex, perhaps. 
I've heard other people say that too, that Rosewood is good for solo singers, but there's plenty of people out there that play mahogany that are solo singers. So, so I kind of agree with him. I've never liked koa enough to get a koa guitar, though there's, I certainly like it. But there have been plenty of times, particularly at Martin Fifth's, when somebody will be playing a, a mahogany guitar, and I was like, that sounds wonderful. And, you know, and I should think about playing my mahogany more often, but, but, um, but then I get seduced to the, by the dark side again. So. <laughs> Now, I have to say, though, and I have said this for many years, I think probably going back, I'm probably online, on record, talking about this even before you and I met, that it takes my ear a while when I would, particularly when I had a lot of guitars and I, and I had a, you know, probably more mahogany guitars, I definitely had more mahogany guitars than rosewood guitars, that if I'm playing on my mahogany guitar for a long time and I go to rosewood, it sounds too muffled and woofy, and I don't really, uh, you know, it just sounds too thick and too, you know, like somebody put, stuck a sweatshirt in the guitar or something like that. But then my ears adjust, and then I start hearing all the harmonics, and then I start hearing, and I start uh, really liking that fuller, thicker, darker uh, chocolate cupcake sort of bottom end, and, you know, and low mids that... Martin has that that non-Martin fans say it sounds too, you know, too thick and woofy. Um, conversely, when I'm playing Rosewood for a long time and I go back to my mahogany guitar, or back when I had multiple mahogany guitars, it would sound too plain Jane and devoid. It would sound bright and dry and woody, like people like, but there just wasn't a lot there. And I just sounded too bare bones and stripped down and and I missed, in both cases, new and different was automatically bad, as, as most human brains can react at times. And, and I was basically not hearing what was missing, and I was missing it. And I wasn't paying attention to what was there. When my ears would adjust to mahogany, I would then start hearing all these subtler but still interesting things and complex things and layers of you know the different registers and all that stuff and I would start to and the openness and airiness and I would start to really like that and then when I go back to Rosewood then it would sound too too overdone and, and woofy so so I try to remember to let my ears adjust to a guitar, any, any guitar. Now I, I always, I try not to trust my initial uh, reaction to a guitar. And that's whether it's a Martin or not. I look forward to when you can sit down and read all these because I'm gonna obviously miss some. And a, a lot of people are saying things like it's a mood. There, there might be times where they would answer differently depending on the mood they're in, which is totally understandable. But I'm going to throw a reply at you here that actually equal parts talks about one of your favorite Martin guitars and throws a wrench in the works that we didn't see coming. Nikki Paris says, I was Rosewood all the way until I got my Triple O 15 SM. Some days it's the Triple O 28, but there's just something about that mahogany with Monel's. So now it depends on the strings. <laughs> yes, indeed. And that's fascinating. You know, I was always fascinated by the fact that Martin decided to ship the 15s with Monel's once they started making them again. And for people who are not familiar with Monel's, it's a nickel alloy string 
that was originally developed to work with early uh, magnetic sound hole pickups, which were essentially just like electric guitar pickups in terms of the magnets. And it was and it was designed to work with those. And but people liked the sound of them just as they were, and they became sort of a cult favorite. But they were difficult to make in those days, and now they're easier to make. So Martin's making them again. Um, by by easier to make that it they're more cost effective to make, so they can make them without having to charge a lot. But they put them on uh, certain uh, models, and and. Um, just like the titanium strings, they put those on certain models as well. And they definitely sound different, so it's a unique sound. Um, and I have, I have sets of them, and I w every so often will get a hankering to put them on. Though I like them much better on, on uh, mahogany than rosewood. So they usually only go on my mahogany guitar. So that is fascinating. Um, but when it comes to mahogany martins, you get a mahogany top. It's a different kind of sound. Um, it's a warmer, some people feel it's even simpler sound, more fundamental, but I feel it adds a, uh, I, don't, I always call it a sweetness, I don't know what, how, what else to say to it. There's just something that, that hits a sort of sweet tooth in my brain that likes it. And, um, <laughs> but that 12 fret triple O version, that and the old 12 fret dreadnoughts they used to make, you get a bigger, rounder bottom end from them, so I can see why people would would think would like to strum those more than they might like to strum other uh, 15s even uh, and other mahogany martins. Fascinating, another fascinating point of view. Very well said, and I'm almost tempted to make every episode we do from now on. I'm going to read the forums, and you're going to talk about it because this feels like it's a good flow. <laughs> of course, if if you are just joining us, first of all, I don't know how you join the middle of a podcast, but if you did, you've got to get yourself to go check out www.acousticguitarforum.com. Lots of great topics over there. Lots of really, really thoughtful people. And of course, just by judging from the first half of this show, uh, a lot of people with, with great, great points of view and, and very able to speak their mind in a way that I think is fascinating and easy to understand. Another uh, avid member over there, Brett Hahn says, from a live sound mixer's perspective, so now we're going to talk about plugging in. From a live sound mixer's perspective, big rosewood guitars, especially with new strings, can be tough to blend with voices, and it can be hard to hear lyrics. He goes on to say, if the player knows how to play short during the vocal parts, it helps a lot, but with most singer-songwriter types, it's crash, 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 crash. So I hadn't given any thought to this when I posed the question, do you prefer rosewood or mahogany for strumming when you're plugged in? I mean, I've, did you even think I was going to ask you that today? So again, that's a very fascinating opinion, point of view. Uh, we're talking about uh, strings again. He's talking about new strings, but he's also talking about plugged in. So are we talking about any kind of plugged in? We're talking about understandable pickups. We're talking about bridge plate pickups. We're talking about magnetic sound hole pickups, combinations, onboard mic. But I can see where he's coming from. And for one thing, I forget that I and can often over overplay when I'm singing and forget about how how that matters and and you were the one that pointed out to me when we were doing the my guest episode Martin Vase Martin with the uh, the new Martin satin finished uh, dreadnoughts <laughs> that you were saying it'll be hard you know for me to 
to be heard because I'm playing so hard with those micro the microphone setup. And so I had to pull back and strum a lot lighter than I normally do since I play so emotionally. And that's reminded me, and so I now try to practice doing that more and more to get to be prepared for, you know, on stage stuff again. Because when I'm playing with the Highland Shatners, like recently we were playing that outdoor festival, the Porch Stomp on on uh, Governor's Island in New York Harbor. All right. I am, it's almost like a bluegrass situation um, where I, with me and my guitar, I'm the bass player, you know, so, so and, I, and I was actually playing my tripolo, but we have, a, I brought my dreadnought too, which other people would play once in a while, but mainly it was her, a mandolin and a, and a small button accordion and my guitar. So I was playing loud because there's no amp amplification. So there's times when that's, you know, possible uh, and required. But uh, this is a roundabout way to say that it's something that he's right. A lot of people don't think about that. And I, you know, and that just reminds me again to when I'm singing, to use dynamics and not play as hard when I'm singing and then play louder during the fills and, and uh, which was I was doing with the Shatners when, when, when the lead singer, uh, Kodos the Executioner, uh, is his Highland Shatner name, when he's, uh, <laughs> when he's singing, um, then I would pull back a little bit and then play louder in my fills when he wasn't singing, you know, and, and when the guys were taking their solos and stuff. So fascinating question. But, but his point was mahogany's better for strumming when plugged in, or is he saying he still likes rosewood, but you have to be careful? His point was Rosewood can be a little bit, can make the lyrics hard to hear and it could actually sound crash, crash, crash. So from what I gather, he was saying Rosewood could be problematic in that situation. Uh, but something that can be just as problematic is if we go this whole episode and we don't remember to play 20 questions. Is it time for that yet? 20 questions. I, I guess so, if you're really ready to put yourself up for this challenge again. <laughs> well, before I say that I am, I don't remember if it's my turn to ask or answer. It's your turn to answer because I, I got it last time, but it took me a lot of questions. Okay, I have thought of a guitar. Swami needs to put on his turban there and put your brain waves toward me to read my mind. And what is my guitar? You get 20 questions and up to three guesses of what model it is. And those count as questions. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Stop what you're doing and listen. Does this guitar have a spruce top? No. Does this guitar have a mahogany top? Yes. Oh, this is going to be so easy. Does this guitar have a dreadnought shape? No. Does this guitar meet the neck at the 12th fret? Yes. Is this guitar the triple of 15 SM? Yes. We had just talked about it, so I thought I would hide it in plain sight and you would never even think that I would have picked that one. <laughs> oh, the only things I ever find are those things hidden in plain sight. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, that's a record. 
But believe me, I thought about, uh, yeah, that was five questions. I thought about, you know, right before you start guessing, I thought, you know, maybe it's going to be too easy. Maybe I should use the Graham Nash, which has a mahogany top and really fool you, but you can't buy that oh. anymore. So that would be, that'd be against the rules. <laughs> well, we, we would do that, though, wouldn't we? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's so great. I thought of taking you all the way through the triple O, whatever it is, Graham Nash, and, and have you say, wait, that's not for sale anymore. But, yeah, <laughs> but, um. Our good friend Steve Schaefer, after listening to the CSSC 2022 episode where I got you on that technicality, he said, as a lefty, I grinned like the Grinch when I heard Mari's 20 questions answer. <laughs> brilliant, sir. Devious, yes, but brilliant just the same. All right. Well, I could play five more episodes of that if it's going to go that well. But thank you very much for playing. 20 questions went from something I was never going to do again to my favorite part of this show. All right. Well, before we get back to uh, the topic in general, I actually have a trivia question. Uh, related to Martin Guitars that's also related to uh, strumming. I'll allow it. Very good. So back in the pre-war era, in Martin's golden era, they made uh, a series of guitars that were designed specifically for strumming with a pick. Can anybody uh, out there remember what they called those guitars that were made for strumming? There's the question. Well, try to remember to bring it up at the end of the episode. Uh, do you want to go on with another, uh, some more uh, quotes from the website? Because I'm, I was going to bring up some other players who are known for strumming and the guitar, the Martins that they play, but I thought we could save that until we're through uh, the form members that you were quoting. Well, sure. This is another good one. Uh, it's actually a two-parter because I'm going to read somebody's reply to someone's statement, and it's just exactly what you think we would have in this episode. Jim writes, being an old bluegrasser, I'll put it this way, for playing rhythm and backup, it's the D18. For leads, it's an HD28. And when he saw that, Jay wrote, I'm an old bluegrasser myself, and I prefer them in reverse order. Go figure. So how about that? There are people that are going to find the same common ground on why you would like one for rhythm, one for lead, but good luck getting two people in the same genre to agree and appreciate the same exact answer. Well, that's absolutely not unexpected uh, that people would say that, but it also is fascinating. Again, we have our reasons for this stuff, and they did, but neither of those guys seem to go too far into why they like that. But I can venture a guess. Um, when I, I, it's hard, you know, listening to records. When talking about recording, it's hard, it's hard to know what guitar somebody's playing. But when Del McCurry is playing, uh, when he there's little times where it just pops up, just little bits here and there. Usually when he's doing his his G run, you know, his Lester flat G run that he does all the time, the the, the thing that you do with the bass strings. Um, that um, it just, it's almost like little white caps on waves, on ocean waves, where it just sounds so mahogany. You can tell it's his D18 because it has this, uh, just like you hear it in the room, I hear mahogany bass notes as almost like little, little hollow glass bubbles where you have that coloring on the outside of it, but you can see right through it and you can 
hear the 3D depth of it, the openness of it, and and that airiness, and it's almost like those notes have have uh, a hollow center to them uh, compared to the rosewood, which has the opposite effect. And that's what I hear to my ear. And uh, and like on the album The Mountain that they uh, that the Del McCurry band played with Steve Earle, it's actually a Steve Earle album of Steve Earle songs, but exact same thing, just little times here and there you can you can hear uh, the mahoganiness of McCurry's guitar. Um, even though he switched, you know, he switched to once he got his second signature model, which was a, which was a Rosewood uh, uh, D28. You know, uh, he started playing that a lot in concert, and that's the other thing too. Uh, that what I was going to mention, bring up later on, is recording versus live playing, and and why some people choose those two different woods for different reasons. But um, but that is fascinating. Two guys that are bluegrassers that prefer the opposite, like you know. That's that's just the way it goes. Another good reply that uh, JP missed, if I'm saying his name right, uh, he said he's not going to scan four pages, <laughs> but surely somebody has mentioned body size. I equate rosewood with lush overtones versus the same guitar and mahogany. For a dreadnought, all those overtones bouncing around in a big body might be a bit overwhelming for strumming, but on a smaller double O or OM, the added overtones might make up for what's lost with a smaller body. Just my opinion. But my double O rosewood sounds really nice strummed. So now it also depends on the body size, which I kind of know how I feel about that, but it's something I didn't put in the question. And it's another great variable that somebody might love rosewood unless the guitar gets too big. And then you, what's making that a little bit problematic to them might do the opposite to a guitar whose size kind of begs for the rosewood help. Does that make some sense? It does make sense. I didn't bring it up because you started the episode by you actually mentioned size not being a factor at the beginning. You were like saying, uh, you know, in general and not based on size and so forth. So I haven't based this on size, but I kind of agree. I I did spend uh, years like, um, I guess right before we met at the first Martin Fest, I'd, I had acquired a, D20, a D28. But until that time, I had an OM28 VR, from the early OM28Vs, and I had a 1971, uh, 1973 D18. And uh, those were my guitars, and I did kind of feel that way about it. I felt like the, the, that D18 was big enough and bassy enough compared to the OM um, that it, you know, was I could do all my big strumming on it, and I, but I liked the Rosewood uh, OM for more of the finger picking, uh, and liked the added overtones for the, you know for that. Um, that was really before I was you know seduced by the dark side, and uh, and ended up getting a Rosewood Dreadnought, and and then you know it was it was all into that lush uh, overtony jungle. Uh, not really from there on out, but but uh, but it was the beginning of the, all of that. So fascinating stuff. Well, it's it's not done fascinating me because I found another reply that I didn't even see before I started rolling tape here. And Spruce Top, who's a very good contributing member and always putting some great uh, audio samples online, with uh, he's one of those guys like me that just dives into the pickups rabbit hole and never comes out for years. Uh, he says, the main reason for loving Rosewood over Mahogany, for many of us older members, is psychological in that back in the 1960 to 1980, 
or so. A Martin D28 with its rosewood back and sides cost about 200 bucks more than a Martin D18. That meant to me, and likely many other players, that the Martin D28 with its slightly more cosmetically appealing appointments was more desirable over the D18 because it cost more. Fast forward to the present since 2012, the new Martin D18 is every bit as much a guitar as the newer Martin D28 and HD28 guitars, so now it's all a matter of tone, and I'd suggest buying a reimagined D18 and a reimagined HD28. So I'm going to kind of take his point and throw a little bit of my personality into it. How many people sort of made their mind up about, do they like mahogany D18s more than Rosewood D28s long before the reimagined series brought a lot of things closer together or frankly brought the scallop bracing to the D18. How many people do you think are answering this post when they think of a D18 or honestly a triple O18? Are they thinking of those things as pre-2012 straight bracing? Hmm. Well, I certainly did. Well, though my first um, dreadnought was a, was a D28, so they were both straight braced. But I also didn't really like the sound of I didn't think the scallop bracing sound was better. I thought it was different. And I remember um, one of the Martin uh, uh, clinician-y kind of guys. I can't remember who it was now. Uh, normally, I remember his name, but he's uh, from down in, in uh, Tennessee. Uh, very, you know, great fl uh, flat picker bluegrass guy, I can't think of his name is, but he happened to be in New York City, and he was at um, Sam Ash back when Howie Emerson ran the acoustic guitar room at Sam Ash, and and he was there showing with two guitar tops, showing everybody the difference, and really pushing the HD28 and the D45 and all that, and I was like the dissenting voice saying, I actually preferred this sound of the straight-braced uh, dreadnoughts. <laughs> But again, it's because that's what I had, and that's what I might, was used to, and that's what I came to like. And also, an awful lot of the music I grew up listening to uh, was recorded on straight braced Martin Dreadnoughts. So it was just what you know what I was used to. And but then I grew to like you know different was not better to me in those days. But then I, I came to like it more and more. And of course, every guitar I have now has. Scallop bracing. Same thing with the forward shifted bracing. Uh, the difference between the uh, forward shifted and non forward shifted bracing, it adds more stuff. And there was a time when uh, the only the only forward shifted scallop braced uh, dreadnought was the D42, unless you went into the vintage series and the you know in the authentic series and the GE mm -hmm. series. And so that was the most la lush, lavish uh, when it came to resonance. Martin Dreadnought, and it definitely sounded different than the D45 and the D41 and the D28, HD28. So, you know, I think that's a Goldilocks just right thing when you're talking about those kind of guitars. Now they standardized everything to have forward shifted scallop bracing, except for the two guitars that have forward shifted non scallop bracing. Um, and so it's a kind of a moot, moot point. And then you're really talking about mahogany versus rosewood, where back then the, the bracing, you know, definitely made a difference. So, so mm. I find that all, you know, fascinating because ev everything you do to a guitar is going to have some effect on what it sounds like. And, and so it's kind of uh, less options, but that makes it less confusing and puts the focus more on the woods. Uh, the back and sides woods and, and whether you like it or not. So there's plenty of people out there who bought Martins uh, with mahogany 
because they were already really reaching financially to do to buy a Martin. And I think I was one of those people, but at the same time, the guitar I'd had for years was a mahogany Sitka triple O, you know, Japanese made or Korean made, probably, uh, I don't know. And, um, and so I gravitated toward the triple O 18 because it was the Martin version of my guitar. And when I got my first Martin, which was a custom 15, which uh, evolved into the HD28V, um, I wasn't really prepared for all that rosewoodiness and all that forward shifted <laughs> bracing and all those overtones and and eventually uh, sold it to afford a, a 1950s triple O18 because it had the sound that I was used to and that I really liked. Then that was before it was seduced by the dark side. Happens to the best of us. Yep. So I agree with both of him that some people are older. Uh, their introduction to mahogany was straight braced, um, which had to compete against the HD28s and the scallop braced OMs back when the triple O28 was still straight braced. But um, and some of it may have been financial as well, that people couldn't didn't get a D28 because they they could only afford a D18. So. So you teased a little while ago that you have some other things you want to talk about besides the forum posts. I certainly could find another dozen examples, but I, I think it's worth it to invite you and everyone else listening. If you're uh, one of those people that likes to browse the forums, do check out AcousticGuitarForum.com. If by chance you're listening to this show and you are a member of the Acoustic Guitar Forum, uh, especially if you're one of those that took the time to reply to my question, thank you very, very much for your input. Honestly, when I first posed that question, I just wanted to know what you guys thought. And as the replies grew, I really just wanted to talk to Spoon off the cuff and in conversation mode, just say to him, hey, have you seen that thread? It's really only just now, uh, hours ago, that I thought this might make a, a really enjoyable episode on the program. So I do hope if you're listening and you did take part in that question, I want you to know that I thank you very much for participating. And Spoon, like I said before, when you get time, go check it out, because instead of reading the rest of them on the microphone, you'd definitely get something out of it if you if you go there. And it's worth mentioning, we're recording this podcast a couple weeks in advance. Who knows how many pages deep this got to by the time you hear this program, but we're, we're basically on page five now, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's five more pages of, of great replies. Well, that's great. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. And, uh, well, what I was going to bring up, when you... You, when you surprised me with this, let's talk about this today, um, my mind immediately went, well, let me think about that. Who plays, and I was thinking primarily D18s and, and D28s, but, but who plays what and in terms of professionals and, and you know, childhood heroes and all that stuff? And, and are the D18 players primarily strummers? Uh, the two D18 players that immediately came to mind uh, that stuck out to me was Chris Christopherson and, um, and Jerry Garcia when it came to what they recorded with. And they were primarily strummers. However, um, and I guess that I should preface that by saying the guitar sound that I grew up with that is Martin-based, there were major things that I didn't even know they were Martins at the time. This was just, this is what an acoustic guitar is supposed to sound like. And there was Neil Young, 
and 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 really the other guys too and on the four-way street album by crystals nash and young but really neil young's cowgirl in the sand the sound of that guitar was like that something i would that was what acoustic guitar is supposed to sound like uh, bob dylan at the concert of bangladesh he gets a whole side to himself five tunes and he's strumming and he's strumming a d28 a indian rosewood straight braced d28 and again, that was the sound that, that to me was just, I just liked that sound. Um, and I you know, later on realized that his early albums, he's actually playing, early, early albums, he's playing a late 40s or 50s um, J50, Gibson J50. Or, uh, and then he moved to, a, a, I think, a 1929 um, Nick Lucas special which is a deep body similar to a L00, but even deeper body. And huh. that's, what he, that's what he used on his 65 tour, world tour, and uh, the 66 tour where he went electric with the Hawks that eventually became known as the band. But he would come out and do an acoustic set first, and he was playing a, a late 20s or early 30s Nick Lucas, which it does matter because that model changed little, little, uh, ways uh, depending on what year it was made and but I, I think it's a 28 29 Nick Lucas special but anyway um, that was that's that dry thump that dry thump thump bass and very quick decay Gibson sound very bare bones string guitar string sound where his when he started playing Martins it, then by the time you get up into the the uh, 70s late 60s and he's playing a Martin it's just a fuller, you know, Martin sound, and it's just to me is a richer sound to the ear. So, um, Blood in the Tracks, he's playing a 0021. Um, there's some debate about how old it was, um, if it was tr pre-war or f 50s, 60s, but I'm pretty sure it was pre uh, 50s, 60s. But anyway, but that's uh, those are strummers who played D18s. Paul Simon played a D18. Uh, on the early Simon Garfunkel records, and that certainly in performance he played a D18, but he's mainly a finger picker. Um, uh, other person who's known, Gordon Lightfoot, known for his D18, mainly a finger picker, though he certainly does strumming as well. Um, though all the intricate stuff you hear in his album is not him, it's his sideman. But he uh, he's one of those guys that uh, played the hybrid picking that everybody was doing in the 60s, where you're playing with a flat pick, but you're also picking with your fingers. So he certainly did a lot of flat pick strumming on a D18. Though, at the height of his career, um, his onstage guitar was actually a Brazilian Rosewood Dreadnought um, made by that guy in New Jersey whose name I can't remember right now that did not make a lot of guitars and due to health reasons uh, stopped building guitars pretty early on. And his, I'm sure uh, people out there will know and put it in the comments, this guy's name. But... Um, so there we have somebody, we've got people that play, you know, in his case, he played Rosewood and he played, and he played uh, Mahogany. And Paul Simon was just recently on Sunday morning program and showing his guitars and declared his guild, one of his guild, had one of his guild F50s, which is kind of a mini jumbo looking thing. And that's, um, he said that is the guitar that he recorded all of Simon Garfunkel albums on, which, which is, basically saying the, uh, the D35S and the D18 that he was playing in concert was, uh, with Art Garfunkel weren't used on the records. And I, don't, I just wonder 
if that's really true or or if uh, if he meant to say you know a lot of his because he mentioned that's the guitar he wrote bridge on the over trouble water on and what was the other late hit that he had mentioned too that he had written that on uh, written on that but anyway um, but he's mainly a finger picker so I'm trying to remember of other strummers Willis Allen Ramsey who only made one record played a D18 and he did both finger picking and strumming and as far as I know he used that guitar for everything um, I don't uh, who else I can't remember right now off the top of my head famous strummers who played a D18 or recorded with a D18 so I'm sure other people listening to this can put some names in the comments if you're listening to this on the YouTube version of this podcast to remind us of who qualifies for that. But certainly uh, Beatles, D28s, were, uh, they used those for finger-picking, you know, Blackbird, Dear Prudence, but they're primarily strumming guys, so they also strummed with them. Um, and then the other thing I was going to bring up was just recording. It is said, and how much of this is urban myth or not, that you heard a lot of mahogany guitars on records in the 60s and 70s because they recorded easier. And because, just like other people have said, all those rosewoody overtones um, were difficult uh, to uh, particularly mix in with a band in that people were turned to maple guitars when they were recording. And that's where we get the, you know, back to Clarence White again of was he really using uh, D28 to do his solos with as, I'm sorry, D18 to do his solos with as I, you know, kind of grew up hearing and reading and guitar magazines and hear from music dealers and stuff like that, music instrument dealers. But um, that'll, you know, that there, there may be a lot more D18s on, uh, and even triple O 18s on records that, um, you know, didn't get written down. Nobody knows. That's just what the you know, what they were playing because they that particular room and those particular microphones and stuff sounded better. And when I recorded my album, which is all finger picking, I expected to use my big rosewood D28, and I just, I it just didn't record well in that room with the microphones I was using. It just was too boomy. It would have required a great deal of using notch filters to pull out certain frequencies and all that kind of stuff. And so I ended up staying with smaller body guitar. So, but that's more body related. Uh, there's the the uh, mahogany guitar doesn't appear on the record for the same reasons. I certainly recorded uh, several cuts with the, the guitar, and I just didn't I just didn't like the way that it recorded and how it sounded. So that's another place where uh, some people will say they prefer to record with maple or mahogany and play rosewood in concert. So. Yeah, there's some truth to that. I remember talking to Tim Teal a couple of years ago, back when they came out with some 16s. I want to say they were jumbos or mini jumbos. They might have been, were they jumbos or were they GPs? But there were uh, there was a time where Martin brought to the NAM show a bunch of 16Es with the Aura, and you were able to choose maple, rosewood, mahogany, and maybe even a fourth. And Tim was so proud about how the maple sound had plugged in and the the things that might make me not attracted to it because it's a very fundamental tone lacking in overtones acoustically, all things considered, made it 
really amplify beautifully. And I remember saying to him, really, not not the rosewood? He's like, no, it's the maple's better. I said, are you, are you sure? And he's like, come on, I'm telling you, I'm, you know, at the time he was the head of uh, research and development and he was soon to be the director of instrument design. So he does know what he's talking about, but he was so, what are you pushing this rosewood thing? Maple's awesome plugged in. And uh, it, I mean, to him, it certainly was. I, we didn't sell that many of them, so I certainly didn't get an opportunity to prove him wrong or right. But I do think there's a lot of truth and a lot of merit to uh, how are you going to hear this? Is it going to be through a PA system or not? Like you said, the size of the guitar matters, the strings matter. Everything we talked about today and all these really beautiful replies, they, everything made so much sense. I couldn't not talk about it today. So I do want to thank everybody who took the time, not just to write a reply on the forum, but who took the time to read it as well. And again, I'll, I'll take one more opportunity to point you there. It's the AcousticGuitarForum.com. Uh, not just this topic by any stretch. It's a great place to to read all about acoustic stuff, and I, I'm I'm there at least a couple times a week, poking around to see what um, you know what I'm interested in, which is just the same thing you are. So Spoon, I, I do want to thank you for taking an opportunity and letting me basically read you a little nighttime story for what it's worth. But you do owe me a trivia question answer before we wrap this whole thing up and tie it in a nice bow. Well, I got to do it right now because I just got the uh, notice that my battery is running low. So that means my plug on my laptop is not currently functional. And I'm about to shut down my computer. So here it is, folks. I am referring to the Plectrum guitars. Martin made some guitars called Plectrum guitars that were four-string guitars and were designed. Of course, they were you know designed to attract Plectrum banjoists who played with a plectrum and strummed and were like the rhythm section in jazz orchestras like like uh, Louis Armstrong and other people who used uh, plectrum banjos as their main rhythm players before the uh, before the steel string guitar boom really took off. So so there you have. I'm hoping somebody out there remembers Martin's plectrum guitars. Some of them were you can certainly see the vintage guitars for sale that were originally plectrum guitars that were converted to six string Martins by having the different neck and bridge put on but but there you go that's the answer to the, today's trivia question well thank you very much this is a lot of fun and i'm going to see if we can't time this perfectly so that when i say my last words you say your last words your battery says its last words from all of us at maury's music thanks for listening here yet this has been a presentation of maury's music your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at maurysmusic.com. Music.com.